Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to what is the final episode of Life in the Pit for the year 2020. Once again, this is not the regular format of our episodes, but it is a continuation of the series that I started last week called Ask the Music Director. Some of you ask questions on social media, things that you would like to find out from theater music directors, and so I found uh, six music directors across the country to answer these questions. We answered four of them on part one, and we're going to answer another four questions today. But before I get started, I just wanted to say thank you to Broadway World for publishing an article uh, that talked about this podcast. Uh, came out on December 28th, and um, if you go to Life in the Pit Pod at Twitter, you can find that article, or you can simply just Google um, Broadway World. Life in the Pit, or uh, Life in the Pit podcast. I'm not sure, some combination there. And I'm sure you'll be able to find it. And uh, if you're a fan of the show, if you just please share that. Uh, I would love to introduce some new listeners to this show. And again, once again, if you are new, this is not the regular format of the show. The regular format is that I would have a conversation uh, somewhere around 45 minutes to an hour with a pit musician or somebody else associated with the pit, and we would just talk about what it is they do. But for now, we're going to continue with Ask the Music Director. Uh, Before we get to the first of the four questions today, let me remind you, if you would like to know more about who it is that is answering the questions, then you need to listen to the first few minutes of Part 1. But uh, for those who have heard Part 1 already... Here is uh, just a refresher on who is answering the questions today. My name is Brandon. I'm currently living in Boston, but I am from Chicago. My name is Julie Danielson, and I live in Kansas City. This is Chris Tilly. I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Marcy Shago. I live in Germantown, Maryland. My name is Matthew Croft. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, all of the questions today come from a pit musician, And the first question is, I see the music director as a mediator, keeping checks on the musicians, the cast, the stagehands, and production team. And I wonder, how do you go about making everyone happy? Well, I don't know if you can always make everyone happy. Uh, Not if you're doing good work that you really care about. At, At some point, you'll have to tell people that something isn't working, or they're doing something wrong, or that's just not going to work with how this person's doing it or whatever. Those things aren't going to make people happy. So I don't try to make everybody happy. Um, I just try to do the best job I can do to get the best performance out of everyone and make the music work with all the other elements happening in the show. This is interesting because for me, when I'm music directing at this theater company I work for in Kansas City, I'm also the artistic director. So I am playing a couple different roles at any given time. So I do feel like I have a little bit more of a say than um, maybe other times. But I think when you 
are working with the right group of people who all do their jobs really well, who all have the same vision and are willing to share the vision, then everyone goes home happy. Um, If someone on the creative team is a great musician, and I know that, and they have a note for me about the music, I don't need to be power hungry and say, you don't give music notes, only I give music notes. I say, wow, they have great knowledge and experience as well. I need to take what they say into consideration. Um, And sometimes it's just literally the way you say it. So I think knowing when when to say something, which battles to fight, those are all really important things for making each other happy. But I think generally the best creative teams are ones that are excited to collaborate, excited to learn from each other and to have their vision serve the other person's vision. And that seems to make for a really um, great atmosphere at our theater. How do I go about making everyone happy? There's a, there's a, there's a saying, it's something like, you can please your mother, you can please someone else's mother, but you can't please everyone's mother at the same time. Something like that. You know, you can, you know, um, there's inevitably, there's inevitably going to be someone that's not going to like a decision. Um, and there's also inevitably going to be someone that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, you know, not only doesn't like a decision, but may not comply or just may not apply to them. But, um, Something you have to take with a grain of salt is, you know, everyone's everyone's working hard um, and any, you know, any other extra thing that someone may need may just be, in fact, you know, the difference between a 45 second quick change to a 30 second quick change. Um, and I think where I'm trying to go with this is the more you talk to the other facets of this production... Uh, The more you talk with your director, the more you talk with the stage manager, the actors, the musicians, the stagehands, everyone involved, the more that you talk to everyone, the easier and uh, smoother the production is going to become, mainly because, you know, the director is watching kind of the overall vision of the show. You are watching the overall musical performance of the show. However, in addition to that, you are making sure that the show basically starts and ends on time and that throughout a night's run, you are making sure that from the top to the bottom, everything falls in the correct place. The director doesn't have to do anything throughout the night. The stage manager is also doing that same kind of thing, making sure that everything in terms of backstage, you know, everyone's in, everyone's in the right place, the right costumes, the right set pieces and all of that. Making sure you talk to them is really going to be helpful. I, I can't think of a single time where I have not asked any questions to the director or the stage manager or anyone. I think I've asked, there have been times where I feel like I've asked too many questions, but everything I ask is always related to how long is this going to take? How bad is that quick change for you? How, you know, how much longer do you need? You know, that way I can say we can take this vamp a little longer. Actually, let's go into the second vamp, things like that. That's what's going to make everyone happy. Um, and if someone is inevitably, inevitably unhappy, it really should be because there's no other option. The way that I usually work is in a collaborative manner where I pull everyone together as many times as I can 
to talk through vision and talk through communication and make sure that we're all on the same page. Part of that is listening, making sure that I'm hearing what each person needs, making sure that those needs are being met and that we are communicating as a team so that we are all on the same page working toward the same goal. It's important to be kind. It's important to respect each other in the process. And I think that is how everyone stays happy and everyone stays working together when they know that they are being listened to and that what can be done will be done and what can't be done for whatever reason can be compromised on so that everyone is in agreement on how problems are solved. The next question is, what do you prioritize and what kinds of skills have you gained to make each show that had totally different groups and dynamics as successful as possible? I'm not sure if this is exactly an answer to the question, but it reminds me of something I realized the first time I had an assistant music director. He mentioned several times to me when the cast was doing something that might not be ideal or might even just be wrong, and it was something that I was not going to fix. I have found that you have to figure out sometimes what changes you can make, what notes you can give, what things can you work on that will be fixable by the people involved in the time that you have available. And those things will change with every show and and every cast you work with. It's a compromise. You try to get the best work you can out of people, but you also have to make judgment calls about which things are going to end up maybe being worse if you try to fix them, because that's a thing that can happen. Then, as much as possible, you try to accept the things that you can't change and work on the things that you can't change. What I prioritize is making sure, first of all, making sure that if there are any problems or if that are, that there are any like, you know, outside things, I try and immediately just say, look, we're not here for that. You know, if there is a problem and you have a problem with someone in here, take it to a break, take it literally outside of this building. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to worry about that. I don't want to have that, you know, on my time or on anyone else's time. I think uh, bringing up and like explaining the fact of like, Hey, I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to, you know, to, you know, to have fun on these rehearsals and have fun with this show. But at the end of the day, this is, this is also my job and I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste anyone else's time from stupid things, you know, from, you know, little, you know, from little small uh, instances that may go on between different characters or different people. Um, Past that, I just try to be as friendly and as positive as possible. Um, I try and stay positive and optimistic, but I always have uh, a little bit of realism. And every time I've every time I've worked on something, everyone has loved that. You have to be able to say no. We have to do that again, or you know, and also kind of be encouraging in that same aspect, especially if it's a hard show. The next question is. What kinds of crazy or unique things have you done to get your cast members to really sing or break out of their show? I do work with young people a lot, and every so often you get somebody who just has been told by a certain teacher that they can't do this or they shouldn't do that. You don't want to disrespect their past experiences and their other teachers, but you know that you have a different goal for them. So I try and just get them really comfortable um, 
they might have to sing it over and over, but I just will, as soon as I hear something positive, I react really excited. Oh my gosh, yes, do that again. Oftentimes I'll say, tell me what you did. What did you change? What did that feel like? Um, I said, I know it's really weird to put into words sometimes. If you tell me you thought about a field of flowers, then great. Think about flowers every time you do it. I don't care what it actually was as long as you can recreate that moment. So I try and really get them feeling confident that um, that they have it in them. I, one thing I told a student um, that I thought seemed to really impact her was um, she was about 16 had been doing our uh, shows with me for a long time and had always been like the young one kind of in the ensemble. She was a really good dancer, so she was often cast in the ensemble as a featured dancer. She was really wanting to go for this bigger role, and I finally told her in one of our coachings, I said, you, I want you to give yourself permission to succeed. And I think for a long time she had been pigeonholing herself and telling herself she was only able to do one thing. And when I gave her permission to excel and permission to succeed, man, she just flew and became such a big star in our program and around this in Kansas City. So I think that's a, that was an important uh, moment. I don't think of this as a crazy or unique thing, but one thing I often do with ensembles, especially very early in the rehearsal process and those, those first few music rehearsals is to get them to move around the room, maybe even dance, while they are singing in a way that hopefully connects their bodies to the feel of the music and the, the, the situation in the scene or their characters or whatever. And the reason is that I don't necessarily want pretty singing, but I want motivated singing and I want people on stage who understand why they're singing and what they're singing about. Oh, boy. Um, I use Julie Andrews a lot. <laughs> like I've used, um, I I've compared characters to what if Julie Andrews just walked in here and just was fed up with you. That woman is just a living legend. Just, I, she's just so incredible. But, um, one of the things that I always kind of, I've always seen is Julie Andrews in all of her characters has never really, I think maybe once, once or twice, and I can't remember what, uh, what, what, what show it was, but like she has never really, ever, like l completely lost her composure. She has always been like, she's always been like, like the queen character or royalty. Like every time I'm talking about like a queen or like someone who is just perfect, it's always julie andrews because like for you know the 50s and 60s that was perfect was her right but i i tend to compare characters to other actors um or other characters just to make it relatable not to say hey you need to be julie andrews right now like you know no one can be julie andrews you can't just be julie andrews however you know i can say can you give me like you know can you give me you know Scarface, you know, say hello to my little friend. Can you give me like that anger? You know, can you just give me that in your performance? You know, making it relatable to something else, especially depending on the age range you're working with, um, that will definitely start. I, I've seen definitely that's something that just brings characters out of people, especially like younger kids. If you say, like, hey, can you just like 
can you give me like Thanos? I've I've heard that one before. Um, I think it was a, like a kids production of like I don't know like some Disney show. It might have been like Aladdin Junior or something like that. But um, I heard uh, a music director friend of mine, Endgame, had just came out, and um, the Thanos craze was craze was huge and everything, and she was like, just give me like Thanos when he like holds the glove, right? You know, the, it is finished or whatever it is he says. Right. And just that, that, that kind of broke this, like, I don't know, this like barrier of this like little kid. And he was just so excited that he got to be like that sinister and that dark. I think he was playing Jafar. He might've been, I think he must've been playing Jafar, but it was, but like just it, like something just clicked in him and went, Oh, Oh, I get it. I get it. And then just like delivered this line. And I remember she sent me a recording and it was just it was hilarious because it was just this little kid being Jafar. But it was so real. It was like exactly what what the character needed. And the last question today is how do you unwind and de-stress during the long process of music directing a show? As a music director, I think it's important to have things outside of, you know, the orchestra pit, outside of the rehearsal room to do. I personally like to cook. I like to read. Um, we did just buy an Xbox for my birthday. Uh, that was our big splurge. So I've been kind of enjoying playing some video games and just kind of learning to relax. But primarily, I like to just kind of step away from the theater. And I love music. I'll sit and play for fun, you know. I'll work on projects. I'll, I have other musical projects that I'm working on that are not theater related. So I can kind of step away from the theatrical world and say, okay, I'm going to write some choral music or I'm working on this arrangement for somebody or things like that, that are still music related because I, you know, the passion and, and that drive is still always there. But I think it's important, especially if you're doing a long process or a tour is to find ways to step outside of the show and say, okay, the show ends at the stage door. And while I can still think about it and handle stuff, I'm going to do other things that are fun. I like, you know, our band members and I on Superstar, we like to go and explore around museums or see different things in each city. We try to get out of the hotels and go adventure and explore because we have the opportunity in each city for at least a week. Um, and so something like that to where you're not cooped up in a single room, but you're you're actively going out and, and getting exercise and getting your brain away from the theater for a little bit. Even on a break during rehearsal, it's nice to just step outside or to talk to somebody and just make an effort to converse about something that's not just what happened in rehearsal. Cause I think that's the thing that leads to burnout fastest. If you don't give yourself a mental break away from focusing exactly on the show and the problem you're having, even if there's no problem, it's just focusing on your show 24 seven. At some point you're going to reach your breaking point to where it just becomes too much and you need to step away and find that. And I think if you can find ways to keep yourself motivated and enjoy enjoy doing other things i think it allows you to come back fresh i also recommend listening to other shows listening to other music that's not theater um finding new inspiration and finding new sources of you know joy in other music that you might be able to then take into your rehearsal and say i heard this great thing i think we're gonna we should try something like that because it just sparked an idea I particularly love to jam with the musicians. I like to just play music and have sing-alongs with the cast. The more music, the better, I feel, and the more connections, the more relaxed I feel. So the more I can work with the cast, with the band, 
on a personal level, on a fun musician to musician level, the more fun I have and the less stress it brings. There's a, there is an answer to this. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can say it. <laughs> um, but um, no, uh, uh, really, uh, one thing that you have to remember is at the end of the day, this is fun. You know, this is something that we all love. This is something that we care about. And this is something that brings a lot of joy. Also, if it's a killing show or I'm playing a book that's actually a lot of fun to play, that just makes me want to, you know, come in and do it again over and over and over again. Um, That's happened with a few shows. Um, I didn't think I was going to like Jesus Christ Superstar because I saw the movie from 2000 or something like that. And it was just bad. Um, it was, it wasn't the, it wasn't the John legend version. It was, uh, it was like a, like a, like a kind of like a sci-fi version. And then I saw a, like a really bad stage production of it. Um, and then I was just like, all right, that's it. And then I got to play it in high school and I fell in love with it all over the, again. Cause even though the base book is like terrible looking, it's actually a lot of, it was a lot of fun to play. Like the, there were, there were notes on there, but like, I didn't really have to play the notes. I just had to like land chords. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I really wanted to come back and play it every night, you know, and through rehearsals. And it's one of my favorite shows now. Okay. So that's now a variety of answers to eight different questions. I still have six more that I've been given. Um, However, I just want to just continue to put this out here. This, there's no reason why this can't be an ongoing series of uh, bonus episodes that I include every now and then. Uh, so we're going to have two more parts to this. We're going to uh, answer the three more questions probably next week and then uh, three more uh, sometime later in January. But um, if you have a question that doesn't get asked and answered feel free to contact me through my website at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. There's a contact form there. And also, if you're a music director or know a music director that would be willing to uh, record some answers to a few of these questions, uh, I'd love to get even more voices. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the six that that we have. You you only heard five uh, on this series. You'll hear a, a different voice on the next one. But I really don't think you can have too many great minds or too much variety of experience that's being shared. Once again, this is the final episode of Life in the Pit in 2020. Um, This last episode is occurring while Broadway is still closed. Um, I'm not bold enough to say that 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020. I think a lot of people are pretty optimistic going into 2020, so it's probably wise to, you know, just uh, be hopeful, but, you know, don't have super high expectations. But I will say this one fond hope, and that is the last episode of 2021 will occur with Broadway houses open once again. So that's my New Year's toast from Life in the Pit. If you want to follow what's coming up next, please be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or on Twitter or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a big special thanks to Mark Parolo for his cover art 
and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about this podcast or leave feedback through davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thank you for listening.